This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Capital gains for Liverpool as the Reds' firepower sees off the Gunners and blows the race for a top four finish wide open. Fabinho and Jota show Jurgen Klopp what could have been. And we look ahead to Tuesday's Champions League tie with Real Madrid. We're here to get into all of that. Our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, and to throw shade on Gareth Southgate's Trent snub. It's Joe Rimmer. Joe, how are you doing? I'm great, Guy. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. Thanks. Last time we were on the pod, we were having happy a uh, yeah happy Easter to you as well. Yeah, uh, we, we we were having a good discussion about Trent, and uh, well, he proved all the doubters, whoever was doubting him, completely wrong, didn't he at Arsenal? He certainly did. Yeah, um, but um, he underlined why it was all a bit of a farce and was very very good. And then I think you know he even grew into the game further once he got this assist um, towards the end of the game. He really looked like he was on it. So. Yeah, it's much needed. I think you could tell by his reaction that, um, you know, he knows there's been a lot of chatter around him. So, um, you know, you could see it was, he was a bit emotional after that first goal. Very, very, very you know, celebrated it a lot, didn't he? And, um, yeah, fair play to him. He's a, he's a great fullback, though. There should have been so much chatter around him. I still think, I thought Mick Richards, um, you know, for many of us who don't get to the games, Doyley was one of the lucky ones. But, you know, Mick Richards, I thought, on, um, on Sky was very good on him. And, and just sort of, trying to take the criticism of them down a notch and saying, well, I can't quite believe there's been so much criticism on them. Liverpool have, have endured a difficult season and why the finger has been pointed at one man in Trent Alexander-Arnold, I don't really understand. But I thought he was very good yesterday and quite timely too. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're recording on Easter Sunday to be with you on, on Monday morning after gorging on all the Easter eggs that you then get an early edition of Blood Red. But with it being Easter and on that theme, Doily, was the win at Arsenal the, the resurrection for Liverpool season? You can't say that. You cannot Why? say that. I'm sorry, because that is, that's, you just can't, trust me. Right. Anyway, uh, you're not a happy bunny, by the way. You're not a happy Easter bunny. No, no I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, obviously. No. No. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll leave that one there, shall we? Yes, Liverpool. Yeah, it was a good win. Um, thought they played well. I think Jurgen Klopp, after the game, actually was quite accurate in his, in his assessment. He said for the first six or seven minutes, it was a slightly open game where Liverpool didn't start particularly on the front foot. But then after that, I mean, with Fabinho in midfield, just got hold of it and, you know, party was... He did play, didn't he? I mean, to be honest, there was quite a few Arsenal players who I've completely forgotten played. I mean, Aubameyang, when he when he went off, was, I realised he was actually played because he, he was so, you know, inconsequential with, with the way the game went. But going back to there, Liverpool just dominated for 83, 84 minutes and you know, they could have won by more. It was interesting, wasn't it, Mikel Arteta, after the game, just basically came out and said, yeah, we were absolutely hopeless. Liverpool were miles better than us. They should have won by more. This is one of the worst defeats I've ever had as a manager. In fact, he probably said it actually was the worst defeat. Just didn't see it coming. You know, we were poor, but you've got to give Liverpool credit. They were very good. They were better than us in absolutely every aspect. And that's very unusual in a game for a team against a team who, let's face it, aren't that many points behind them in the table. Um, to, to dominate something like that. I mean, I, personally, I think it's Liverpool's most complete performance this season. You know, I, I've been to all of them, certainly the domestic games. And while people will point to the 7-0 win at Crystal Palace, Palace had a spell of about 10-15 minutes where they could have scored, but I don't think there was any spell in this particular game where Arsenal looked like they were ever, ever going to score. And 
going back to what I said, Fabinho was key to that. He, he got hold of that midfield straight away. It allowed Thiago. I thought he had a good game, Thiago. Milner made a difference as well. We're getting stuck in and he went off, obviously went off to left back when Andy Robertson went off. And then uh, by the time Jota came on, I mean, there have been times this season where it's been Jota looks as though he's kind of just come right into the rescue. Don't necessarily think it was like that this time. I think Liverpool had kind of softened up Arsenal. They were just ready to to to, to kind of teach him, weren't they, for about 15 minutes after the break, and they looked as though they were ready to go. And as as Joe said, when Trent whipped in that pass, which that's actually where I was sat, was right in line with that. So as soon as he actually hit it, you could hear people behind me saying, Oh, that's a great ball. And then suddenly, you know, the header goes in. And I'm not sure whether the television pictures do either of them justice, either the the curl on the ball or the actual power in the header, because you know, Leno got his full hand to it, didn't he? he just couldn't. He, he was never going to keep it out. It was such a good header, and that's something that you know Liverpool have possibly lacked uh, with Jota not being there. You know, they, they they didn't score. You know, you don't. I know Firmino scored a header against um, Tottenham, wasn't he, in the last minute of the, the, the corner at Anfield back in December? But you don't necessarily equate him with somebody who can do that. But from you know from the first minute to the last, Liverpool were, were far the better team. There wasn't a player on the pitch who had a, who had a poor game. And what was interesting for me is that they looked a bit like the Liverpool team from last season and the season before in the sense that they pressed very well. Jürgen Klopp said afterwards the counter-press was excellent. That's why Arsenal didn't get anywhere anywhere near them. They all looked as though they knew what they were doing. They all looked as though they trusted each other. And when you've got players playing in their actual positions, going back to the centre-backs again and Fabinho in that position and Thiago kind of released a little bit. And even, and even you know, even Firmino playing in, in his role, certainly when, when he... He was a bit rusty at the start, which is unsurprising given the fact he's missed three the last three games. But by the end, he was playing all right. So I think overall, there was no no negatives for Liverpool. It was a and of course it was the biggest ever top flight win at Arsenal ever. So uh, a memorable historic day for Arsenal Football Club guy. Yeah, definitely. Less said about but Leonard's <laughs> goalkeeping. I think I think the better. But really, Joe, yeah, I think so, Leonard's yeah. goalkeeping. Really, if it wasn't yeah. for him, I think it would have been about five or six. I know you no, probably pointed to no, pointed I to Salah's goal for the second goal. But yeah, and I think if you have but, a world class goalkeeper, they they get a strong hand on something and keep it out. But well, it's harsh. I, I, but I think I think that's the I level. Think, I think you're a little bit harsh as well for the second goal because Salah was allowed to run right up to him. So, you know, that wasn't necessarily his fault. You know, he's doing yeah, well to I save mean, that being, one. Be, be, being a keeper in the FL11, I feel as though... Yeah, I feel, yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel being a goalkeeper, I'm allowed to I'm allowed to, I'm allowed allowed to, to sort of have, have say on that. But anyway, Joe, a lot of people talking about Arsenal and, and how bad they were, but Doyley talking about the counter-press and Jurgen Klopp in the press conference after the game sort of saying how happy he was with the intensity of training for the last sort of three weeks leading up to this game. Was it Liverpool were just too good for Arsenal? Or do you think Arsenal were that poor? that Because they, they didn't even get near the centre-halves, did they? A lot of talk around the game before it that the centre-halves might be exposed in this one. But Liverpool were so well-oiled that Arsenal couldn't even get close to them. Yeah, well, I, I agree with Doyle. I thought that was Liverpool's most complete performance of the season. I thought they were on it from the word go. And, and really, yeah, as you say, pressed Arsenal high. We're passing the ball quite well. And I remember at one point, you know, towards the end of the first half, thinking well, Liverpool didn't really create any big opportunities in the first half, Milner aside, probably. Uh, but I was thinking that there's no way you can dominate the game this much to this extent and not wear Arsenal down. Uh, and like Doyle said, Jota came on. And it did feel like by that time, Arsenal were tired and had been chasing round and chasing shadows. And, you know, the opportunities then started to, to come, didn't they? And Jota took. Took, the, took a couple of them and 
Yeah, I thought, I thought Liverpool played very, very well. In terms of Arsenal, I don't know, Guy, you tell us. Um, I mean, they, they look really, really poor. And just, I don't think they looked as wide open as some of the Arsenal teams I've seen in, at times, but they just didn't really offer anything in the game. They never really got a foothold, never had any possession. I don't think they threatened at all at any point. Um, you know, that the, considering the two forwards, uh, Aubameyang and um, Lacazette, you know, should be. But certainly, you'd think on paper, two decent forwards. Both have, have had very good goal-scoring uh, records in the past. Neither of them even remotely turned up, did they? So, But I think you have to give great credit to Liverpool and, and great credit to Fabinho, who, um, I don't know, what do they call him, the lighthouse? Well, you know, he just, he was almost like the waves crashing into everything. He, he just won every tackle. He was all over the pitch, got Liverpool winning the ball up high. And he's at... He's absolutely what Liverpool need in midfield. And I think, you know, when you see him play like that, it sort of underlines how much they missed him when he moved into defence and how much they missed him in midfield. Because he's just, he's just been, he was brilliant. And I think he allows the other midfielders alongside him to play. He, he takes the pressure off Thiago a bit. And I thought Milner played very well. You know, you know, it doesn't start too many games now, Milner. And he should have scored. He was dangerous. He was playing in the top end of the pitch. And, you know, I thought he, he put in a very good performance. So I think it was all down for, to Fabinho. Um, and also at centre-half, the, the two centre-halves have quietly um, put together a decent understanding now, Quebec and, and Phillips. And it's a funny one, isn't it? Because um, Quebec, I'm still not 100% convinced Liverpool will go out and buy him. But he hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's, you know, he's looked assured. He's looking more confident with every game. And Phillips, every time I watch him play, it, it just... I just wonder why Klopp didn't commit to him earlier in the season. And I think there were concerns perhaps about his pace or his distribution, but I just think having a settled defence and having a you know a, a centre half playing at centre half and allowing Fabinho to play in midfield has made Liverpool all the better. So yeah, um, you know, it, it's sort of a look at how good Liverpool can be and perhaps how good they could have been had certain positions worked out earlier in the season. But yeah, I don't really understand that one. I thought Phillips and Quebec were very good. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Is is that one of, I suppose, <clears throat> the frustrations that are hidden away within it then, Doily? The fact that there are centre-halves playing at centre-half. There's a world's best defensive midfield player playing in his position as well. I know you said it was the most complete performance of the season so far. And I think given the lack of threat that the opposition showed, you're probably right with that. But thinking back to even the home game against Arsenal in the Premier League, the game against Wolves at Anfield, against Leicester at Anfield as well. Liverpool have put in some big performances through the course of this season. It's just shown that injuries have meant that there's been a lack of consistency there. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I thought you were going to ask me then about whether or not Klopp made a mistake in not trusting Phillips. Not so much Phillips, but but the centre-backs to play centre-back. And, you know, he's obviously wanted to play Fabinho and Henderson there. And you've got to bear in mind, there was games where Fabinho and Henderson were both playing alongside each other. I think it was Manchester. Was it Manchester City? I think it was the last yeah. time, wasn't it? Um, so it wasn't that long ago. And, you know, OK, Liverpool lost 4-1 and... and, and you know, Guardiola said after the game that he thought that Liverpool's defenders played quite well, the centre-backs, but, you know, one of those things. I think, yeah, Liverpool have missed Fabinho in midfield, but they've also missed Henderson, haven't they? Because he's not been available for parts of the campaign. And and if Henderson has been played, I think the Palace game was Henderson in midfield, I think, with Fabinho alongside Matip at centre-back. So that was an example of where it worked because they had 
at least one centre back and they had at least one of Fabinho or Henderson playing in midfield. So when they when they had that, Liverpool were fine. It's just then then when you took parts of that away, because Fabinho's had his injury problems as well, then that's where the struggle came. So I think we talk about you know keeping players fit for the rest of the season. The rest of the season's only what eight weeks, eight weeks to go. So it's just a matter of now just making sure that these players because. If Liverpool suffer another injury at centre back, you would imagine that literally is it. You know, they, they, they can't cope with that, I don't think. But for the moment, Kabak has been doing better than he was in the first weeks. I mean, he did put, you know, I know Joe said he hasn't put a foot wrong, but I think he had one or two mistakes early on. It wasn't his fault for the Leicester game, for example, that goal. But I think at Everton, he was caught out a little bit, little flat footed for the Everton Cup first yeah, opening goal, Richarlison. So there was an interesting bit, which, funny enough, our former pod person Christian Walsh picked up on on Twitter where I'd forgotten about it and it was uh, in the second half where Liverpool winning 2-0 and Phillips with the one time where he got something slightly wrong I think it was up against Lacazette and it, it, Arsenal could have threatened because I think he got his body shape wrong but Kabak just came across took the ball walked it out of defence and then just passed it out instead of just like belting it clear he, he kind of read the situation and I think that's the kind of defender that he is as opposed to Phillips who's a little bit more I'm just getting rid of it in terms of he spots the danger and gets rid of blocks, whereas Kabak's a little bit more measured. And I think that's always harder for those kind of players to make an instant impact when you're playing at centre-back because they need to become accustomed with the players around them and what they can and can't do, which I think is what's interesting about the partnership of of Phillips and Kabak is that they're clearly different types of defenders. Kabak spoke after the game and he was saying that, you know, it's getting better and better. And they know that they're going to be playing every single week as well. So, and I think that's something that Liverpool's with with the thirty seven thousand centre back pairings that they've had this season. I think they've not been able to to have that. Whereas last you know last season you knew it was going to be uh, Van Dijk and Gomez or Van Dijk and and uh, and Matip. In fact, it was never going to be Matip, was it? He was always he was injured for most of it. Perhaps Lovren every now and again. But this season's not been like that. But now that it is, what a surprise! They started keeping clean sheets. Everybody else in the team knows where everybody else is meant to be. So, you know, we, we've said, we've always said, you know, any, any team, if you get a, a, a settled back line, it makes a massive difference. And when Liverpool were struggling earlier this season, people were going, what's wrong? And we were sat on this podcast saying, well, what about the defensive injuries? People saying, well, it can't just be that, it can't just be that. Well, oh, look, it looks as though it probably was. Yeah, I think your, your point on Kabak as well, I know it might sound a bit a bit weird, but he was booked in each of the first three games and yes. I think he probably was a bit positionally caught out and a bit rash at times, but he's now won five games without a booking. I think that sort of just highlights how he's maybe beginning to to settle down and grow into and it. And I think as well, he's only 20 years of age. And I think 21 now, people, actually. Is he 21 now? Sorry. Yeah, yeah he's well, getting on now. Oh, yeah, it was his birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, he's got older in the, the course of this podcast. Um, but yeah, okay, he's only 21. He's only 21, <laughs> which is still young for a still young for a centre back, and he's coming across to a, a new country, and he's trying to get used to teammates in these you know coronavirus pandemic times with the restrictions that that, that are uh, imposed on everybody. So it is difficult, and, and, a, and a team that was struggling as well to get results. So it's early days still for him, but you can see why a lot of fans last season or over the summer were quite keen to link him with Liverpool and. While Liverpool at the very last minute took a, you know, let's be perfectly honest, took a bit of a punt on him because they had to. I think he is now making the most of what is essentially a kind of a, a job, you know, job interview, extended job interview trial period for him to to get a contract at the end of the season. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how, but we've made it to 15 minutes into this podcast and Bar Doyley referring to him heading in the opener and then obviously getting a second show. We've not spoke about Diogo Jota, who <laughs> I think if anyone was sort of in any wonder of the impact he has for this Liverpool team, he's shown it as soon as he's come back, hasn't he? He scored the goal against Wolves just before the international break and then comes off the bench for another couple at Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him, you know, I thought Doyley, I thought you were harsh on, on Leno before because I, I thought Doyley was right about the header. I thought it was a great header. And when, you, when you're in that close range, I mean, look, put it this way, if he kept it out, do you remember when Andy Carroll, um, we all thought he'd scored in the FA Cup final when he headed it from close range and Czech that's, saved it. it no, that's my point. Range I think that header was, like, that head, that head was nowhere near as hard. That the header was nowhere near as hard as Jota's, I'm telling you. Jota's was no. a proper power header. My point is, is if you've got a world-class goalkeeper, they might stop it. I'm not saying that he, it's it's a it's an easy save he's got to make. I'm just saying a world-class goalkeeper could stop it, and I don't think Leno <laughs> is there. But we're here to talk about <laughs> but, but anyway. The credit, yeah, and, cre- and credit credit to Jota for, for for a guy who's not um, got the biggest frame, you know, to to come and run and jump onto that the leap, the header, everything about it was really good, and and the way he sort of found the space as well for the chance and he he's got that you know, you know put it this way when he came in I, I never thought he'd come in as a goal scorer in the way that he is he seems to sniff out the right chances get himself on the end of things even the second goal he comes running in and you know I think it comes across to Mane couldn't it and, and Mane sort of either leaves it or miscontrols it and he comes in behind and he just has that knack of getting into the end of things and um, yeah I mean he's it, just He's very, very good at it. And I think he's a good example of why good teams always need freshening up with, with new and, and good players because he's just given that forward line something else to think about, isn't he? And, and just yesterday when you were looking at it and thinking Liverpool had dominated possession but not really created any opportunities, bring it on another dangerous player like that, someone fresh and someone with a point to prove made all the difference. And then it opened up and pretty much everyone else, Salah did score, Mane could have scored. Um, Firmino had a couple of chances but it, it opened up Liverpool then they they started all looking it was flowing better and they were taking less touches around the final third and I thought they were just really starting to look like the team that they were so you know he, he's made a big impact Jota and it's a difficult one because I still don't know whether I'd necessarily this might sound crazy I still don't know whether I'd necessarily start him against Real Madrid because he can have such an impact from the bench that you sort of blessed in both ways because you can keep him on the bench and, and bring him on for an impact and and if you don't bring you know you don't use him you've got Firmino from the start it's a difficult one um, yeah I mean he's such a good player and he's, he's, he's added such a lot uh, such a great deal to this team um, and I must say it was totally unexpected I thought he'd he'd be a guy who got a few goals and, but operated a bit further back but he just seems to be a real goal scorer and um that was a big surprise this season because I just didn't expect that at all. No, and you said they're sniffing out the chances and Paul Gorst spoke this week to one of his former youth coaches at Pacos de Ferreira and he said the exact same thing, that he used to be able to sniff out opportunities and that second one really sort of, I suppose, an example of that. You can find Gorst's interview across the Liverpool Echo website or on the uh, podcast feed as well as on the YouTube channel. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Doily on Diogo Jota. I know Liverpool, of course, have Mohamed Salah, who got his customary goal in this game. But is Jota maybe sort of the most lethal weapon 
in the Premier League right now. He's got four match-winning goals or the decisive goals sort of in games. And the best goals per minute ratio in the Premier League, he's scoring a goal in the Premier League every 91.3 minutes. So, so long as there's two minutes of stoppage time at the end of a game, you know, he's good for a goal a game, basically. Um, I see where you're coming from, but he hasn't necessarily played enough games, which isn't his fault because he was injured for three months. I think the likes of Kevin De Bruyne might argue that they're quite lethal in a different way. Um, and they've done it over a longer period of time. Uh, in terms of Jota, in terms of his surprise, I mean, we have to. I have to give a shout out to uh, our fellow pod person, this being the phrase that I'm now using, um, Sean Bradbury, who a couple of years ago on the Echo, we did a piece saying, which player would you like to take from another Premier League club from Liverpool? And he mentioned Jota. This was... I reckon it was about two years ago, actually. Could be 18 months, two years ago. And he said he's the kind of player who he can play in various positions and he can press and he can, you know, he likes a goal as well. So shout out to Sean for for, for once actually knowing what he's talking about. So, but in terms of in terms of in terms of Jota, I, think, I like Sean's come up with a prediction that isn't just Liverpool are gonna win everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um in terms of Jota himself. We know that players make teams, but I think sometimes teams make players. And I think he's somebody who's obviously Liverpool knew he was a good player and they've scouted him, drawn all the numbers. It's a little bit like Peter Crouch when Liverpool signed Peter Crouch. Totally different kind of player. But at the time, people were like, well, why have they done that? And it later turned out that Liverpool had you know, crunched the numbers and gone, he's, he's exactly everything that we need. And Crouch ended up being, you know, we have to say he was a success at Liverpool. I think Jota's going to go the, the same way. He's somebody who fits into the system. He can play in a variety of positions, but we've seen what he can do in terms of his finishing. And he's surrounded by better players than at Wolves, like better players than at Wolves, and also a team that plays more on the front foot, which means he's going to get more chances, which means he's going to be, be more dangerous. I mean, you've seen what he's done with Portugal. They're a team who are probably in, in between kind of the way Wolves and Liverpool play, but He's getting his headers, he's getting his goals. And the question is, is there a better Portuguese player in the world at the moment? Can't really think of any. Is there any 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 others? No, don't think so. Cape Sound. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought when you were talking about Peter Crouch there, you were going to say, well, because he, he, he's liking to score headers at the moment. But we, we spoke about Fabinho, we spoke about Diogo Jota. Joe, I suppose it poses a question, who's been the bigger miss for Liverpool this season? Fabinho in that number six role or whether Diogo Jota wasn't injured for three months, would he have been able to maybe score a few of those goals in some of the tight games at Anfield? Thinking of the West Ham game and Sheffield United ones earlier in the season as well, that maybe wouldn't have seen Liverpool lose those games at home. Perhaps, you know, I'm going to say Fabinho. I I just think... I, I, I just think we've hardly seen him in midfield at all this season. Um, and, you know, I think back to, to earlier on in the season, even times when Liverpool were still winning games, but they were stuttering a little bit. And they, you could tell there was there were some warning signs there. And I just think Fabinho sets the tone. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I can't describe. I think Fabinho is one of those players that opposition teams and, and opposition fans probably don't realise quite how good he is. Into, until you know, until you watch him every week, and you see, you know, the ground he covers, the way he wins the ball back, the way he uses the ball. He's a good passer. I mean, look, at, he set up the second goal, didn't he? Got a really nice ball in behind Gabriel, wasn't it? Who made the mess of it? But just he turned Gabriel, and um, his distribution is far better than, than most people would would realise. Um, he wins a lot of headers. Um, 
he's just a very, very good midfield player. And, you know, I, I really, really rate him. And I think not having him at number six this season, it's meant that Thiago struggled at times. Genie Wild Adams played far too much football. I mean, he came on because he, I like the Doyle, he put his ratings. He just has to play in every game. So he came on um, at the end for a little bit there. But, you know, he's played too many games. Henderson suffered injuries because he's probably played a little bit too much. So I, I think Liverpool have really, really missed Fabinho in midfield. And I think that's, that's probably the single biggest, other than Van Dijk, factor in this, this wayward season for Liverpool. It's when he's on song, isn't it, Doyle? Because even thinking back to just before football got locked down last season, he'd had that injury and he was a bit slow getting back. I think he was actually benched, wasn't he, for the Atletico Madrid home game in the in the Champions League. And then this season, as Joe says, he's pretty much played exclusively centre-back, but he's back in that defensive midfield role that Theo Squires christened the Fabinho role the other week on the, on the podcast. And uh, he, he is back to his very best, isn't he? The first player ever to play in that position, yeah, the Fabinho. Well, no, role. I think I think Theo's thing was more. We called it the Macaulay role for a little while. Now we're calling it the six. Why don't we call it the the Fabinho role once more? You, just, you're not a taker. It's just the the, the the that bit in midfield that plays a bit deeper. That's it. I mean, basically, that's not very catchy. What I've just said. The but, water carrier. Yeah. Well, it was that. That was Deschamps, wasn't it? So there's that always Deschamps, there's yeah. always been somebody. There's always been somebody since. But they just have different names, don't they? Depends on your generation, guy. Your generation. So obviously, I'm, I'm trying to think of a very old player that I could say now, but I can't think of anyway. Ronnie Wheeler, actually, no, he wouldn't play there. He wouldn't play there anyway, to be honest. Um, what was the question? Fabinho. Yeah. So I've just, re- <laughs> by the way, I've just realised. I've just realised that Liverpool cannot win the league. I've just, yeah. I've just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, they said that. Oh, get, off, gonna, yeah, get no, onto they, that. Yeah, they said that on commentary yesterday that as soon yeah. as Manchester City had won at Leicester, yeah. Because Man City were were celebrating it yesterday, it seemed across Twitter that it was some great big feat that they can they can only finish sixth or lower. So uh, yeah, I'm sure that's where they've got designs on. Yeah, I mean, did, is that what they said? They weren't they weren't really mentioning any teams by names, but were they? No, yeah. they were mentioning a, a team by name, as you can imagine. Oh, right. but what Arsenal, I mean is, yeah, Arsenal, yeah, 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 Arsenal, Arsenal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> you can't they, you they can't lose. You can't beat them or try to beat them in the League Cup final this year. That's a bit bit sad for you, isn't it? Yeah, don't you know, nobody play them in it. Oh, I don't know. Um, Fabinho, yes. yeah, I'm Fabinho. Yeah, when he's back yeah. to his best, because sometimes he's sometimes he's in that role, but he's not always on song. But when he is, it's like any like player. It's like any, yeah, it's like any player. You can't play brilliant every single game. It's like what Klopp said about Trent. You know, you know, but Trent's still one of one of the best, if not the best, right back in the world. And you'd have to say Fabinho is up the the best defensive midfielders in the world, in the in the same way that. Allison's among the best goalkeeper in the world, goalkeepers in the world, and Van Dyke's the best centre backs, which kind of goes some way to explaining why Liverpool won all those trophies in the last couple of years. So, you know, you're going to miss players like that if they're not playing in their positions. I think Liverpool missed more. I agree with Joe that Liverpool missed more Fabinho in midfield than Jota up front because Jota's kind of like this, as Joe said, he's, he's surprised, isn't this surprise element that they haven't had over the last couple of years? You could argue perhaps. Shakiri for a little bit in the 18-19 season was a bit like that, Origi towards the end. You know, that kind of like joker. But I think Jota will ultimately be more than just that. That That's kind of like, that's not giving him enough credit because he's, got, you know, he's always looks dangerous whenever he plays. And But Liverpool, if he wasn't playing, you'd still have Firmino, you'd still have Mane, you'd still have Salah. So I think it's, the bigger loss has been Fabinho playing in that, in that midfield role 
because as I said before, him being there has offered better protection for the centre-backs who are actually centre-backs. These actual centre-backs know that they've got this great player in front of them. And the other midfielders also know, great, we can know we can venture forward a little bit more because we've got this great defensive midfielder behind us. And the fullbacks the same. I think I don't think it's any surprise that Trent suddenly started playing well now that Fabinho's back playing and there's actual centre-backs playing there. You know, because he's got defensive players who can help cover him for when he goes off and does what he did at Arsenal by having a hand in, in all three goals. I mean, you look at the last goal uh, where he was that far up the field. And I think it was, was it Cedric Suarez who he nicked the ball off? I think it was, wasn't it? Just got in front of him. That's where the goal came from in the end. So, you know, that have, that all comes from having a player like Fabinho. Or as I said, if it's Henderson as well, because he's kind of the same mould. And you've got actual centre-backs playing in their positions. Players in actual positions where they can play. Even if, like, say, Nat Phillips, who... Let's also, he's no, he's not as good as Van Dyke. He's not as good as Gomez. That's hardly harsh saying that, but he's still fairly decent. He's shown that he can do it in this system, and Fabinho's helping him do that. I suppose, like every debate we've had this season, it, it comes back to the fact that maybe if a certain Dutchman at the heart of defence was fit, then Liverpool would have had a, a very different season indeed. But in terms of moving forward, then and to the Real Madrid game. And talking on Diogo Jota, Joe, I know we're going to do our team selector in a bit, but it's one of the big decisions for Jurgen Klopp about if he does, I know we're sort of saying before that maybe don't start him against Real Madrid, but is maybe more the emphasis on taking Mane out the firing line as opposed to Firmino? Because at the moment, he had a few chances at Arsenal, Mane, but he, he just doesn't look in front of goal like he's got that killer instinct. I know, see, I found that in the first sort of third of the game, yes, Today, I thought Mane was Liverpool's main threat. Really, I mean, he, he, the one thing he, he never hides does he? He's very. I think he, he and Salah are quite different in the style. Salah always seems to score goals, and even when he has a quiet game, Salah can pop up with a goal or he'll take responsibility at some point and score. Whereas Mane can see a lot of the ball and not have as much end product. But I, but I think with with Mane that he's always a threat, and even even when he's not playing particularly well. He never hides. He picks the ball up. He, he turns teams. He gets them on on the back foot. I, you know, I, I, I'd be really reticent to take him out of the team because I just think he's that good a player and he could still hurt Real Madrid. So it's a difficult one. You know, Firmino seems, seems the obvious one to come out for Jota. But again, I'm, I'm not sure whether I would break that three up. I, I would almost try and do what a repeat of what they did last, last night and play the, the usual front three and try and bring Jota off the bench. Hopefully, once they've sort of warmed Real Madrid down a bit and see if he can sniff out any opportunities. You know, to me, Mane, yeah, he hasn't been as good as this recent season, but who has at Liverpool this season? I don't think it's a, a massive cause for concern. Again, I think he's too good to, to be poor, in inverted commas, because I don't think he's been that bad forever. And I think he will come, come good and he will score some big goals before the end of the season. So... Like like we talked about with Trent, I'm not overly concerned about his form. I, I still think I would play him against Real Madrid. Um, I don't think he, he looks tired. He just needs one to sort of go in, doesn't he? I mean, he was unlucky at the very end. He could have scored at the very end. He, he just needs one to go in for him. And I think that that would make all the difference and just pick him up a bit. 
it's a huge plus, isn't it? An ace up the sleeve for Jurgen Klopp, Diogo Jota off the bench, story. not just in terms of him being able to come on for one of the front three, but also like we saw yesterday, changing the shape, putting Milner to left back and then having all four of them on the pitch at once. Well, that's it. That's why they signed him. I mean, they did. They played. There's not been many games where they played all four of them. I think there was City away, wasn't there? They started with them. Um, there was another game. Was it Sheffield United or West Ham? It was one of those two. And even then, in that particular game, I think it was only when they switched it around a little bit in the second half that Liverpool became a bit more, bit more of a threat. But you know, they got the options. I mean, part of the reason Jota came in is, you know, Pep Linder said that we wanted to have a bit more tactical unpredictability because obviously Liverpool had become so you know, recognised for the way that they play, they needed a different way of doing things. And unfortunately, because of all the injuries, they've not really been able to do that. Again, this is this is the exact same conversation we've had with Thiago, which when he came in after his injuries, that he came into a side that was completely different to the one that he, he was actually bought for. And only now you're actually seeing what Thiago can actually do. So I think Jot has benefited from that. He is somebody who can change things around. As but as I said just just a few moments ago, just to call him just like the Joker in the back is a bit harsh because he's somebody who I think long term will be a regular because he's got everything that Jurgen Klopp would want in a forward. I also think he's possibly pushed Minamino out of the picture in to the extent where I wouldn't be surprised that if, if Minamino went in the in the summer because it's. Difficult to see where he's going to be getting his gains when his best two positions are in the, on the left or down the middle, and that's where Jota's come in and done so well. And I suppose just on that, the change with Robertson as well, it's a smart one that he obviously got half an hour rest as well because he's pretty much played every minute like Vijnaldum, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it did seem like a stranger at the time, didn't it? But it, it worked really well. And, you know, it, it just sort of, again, having those four players with Jota on the pitch at the same time, it just really turned the screw on Arsenal, who, like Dolly said earlier, were tired. I think where you were starting to see them struggle to sort of keep up with some of Liverpool's forwards and to, to stay sharp with those balls in behind. And, and just having that extra danger man on in Jota just turned the screw on them. So I think it was a good... But I think Klopp is quite often criticised for some of his substitutions, but I thought yesterday was a really, really clever one. Because um, I must admit, when I, when I saw Robertson going off, I thought... Melder at left back. I'm not that keen on it. It seems so 2017, doesn't it? But it, it, it worked quite well. And um, he seemed to get it right. And yeah, it was a much needed rest because Robertson just plays every minute. And thank God he's a very, very fit lad and doesn't seem to get too many injuries because he, um, he just hardly ever misses a minute of action. So that was much needed, yeah. Um, and, you know, Wayne Adams well rested as well. Um, so Liverpool have got some options. I think Klopp said in the after the game, he could have started five or six players, um, you know. So I think they're in good shape for Real Madrid. They're in good shape, you know. And I think he could he could afford to make one or two tweaks if he wanted to, and um, and not really lose too much quality. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What about Real Madrid then, Doyle? What are we sort of expecting for Liverpool going there? Of course, it's not going to be played in the Bernabeu, is it? But obviously, not too distant history between the two clubs in a European game. Is there a score to settle? Yeah, probably not, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, I think Liverpool settled the score in a different way by by winning the, the trophy the following year, didn't they? The Champions League. So in that respect, and also certain people who played in the game who may want to get a, a, an element of revenge, they're long gone, from, well, certainly not long gone from Liverpool's first team, let's put it that way. Um 
No, I think I think Real Madrid, while they've hardly been, you know, pulling up trees, I think they've done a lot better. If you actually look at the results, they've done a lot better than you might think. They barely, they don't very often lose a game. In fact, I'm not sure if they lost one in this year or something like that. I think it's, so. Yeah, it's yeah. turn of the year. Yeah. Like so it's not. It's it's. While they are not at the top of the table in in Spain, and there's very you know it's very good chance they end up finishing third. But for them, you know, they love the Champions League, don't they? They love the European Cup. They've won it more times than anyone else. You know, Zidane knows how to win it. I think, uh, and in Benzema, I think he's a he's I think he's their only player who scored more than six or seven goals this season. I think he's got like 22, 23. He's somebody that'll be completely different, a completely different test for Kabak and for for Phillips. It will be interesting to see how, how they get on. I mean, that's why I was, I think Klopp possibly thought that, you know, Lacazette and Aubameyang would actually be quite good, you know, a warm-up in that respect. But they were both totally disinterested by the end of the game. Um, it really didn't really pan out that way. Um, so it will, it will be interesting. I think it'll be difficult for Liverpool. I think if they get through, it'll be, a, a, you know, a, a good, a very good achievement actually. But in terms of actually getting revenge for 2018, I, I don't, I don't see that being anything at all. Yeah, I think just looking at it there, I think Real Madrid won one league title during that sort of run of three Champions Leagues in a row, Joe. So with what Doyley's saying, don't read too much into their domestic form because this is a club built on European success, much like Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. I think Doyley's spot on. I think it's a very dangerous tie. I think it's a good tie for Liverpool because I think Real Madrid are beatable. And I do think it's the sort of tie that, you know, it doesn't matter what type of Real Madrid team you play. If you knock them out, then you, you know it gives you great confidence going on into the, the next stage of the competition. So, I think it's a good tie for Liverpool, but I think it's dangerous. You know, you mentioned Benzema there. I think Benzema is one of the most underrated players of all time. It's not so. You know, he's been at Real Madrid since what two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And I don't think he's, he, he scores almost 20 goals, 20 plus goals every season, gets towards 30 every season. He's 33 now. And, um, you know, as, as Doyle said, he's by far their top scorer this season. He hurt Liverpool a bit with a big carrier assist um, in Kiev. And, and, and I think he's the sort of player that you wouldn't put it past him. He could just take the game away from Liverpool in a couple of minutes. So they've got some dangerous and really experienced players, Real Madrid. And, I think it'll be tough, but I just think it'll be open. And I think I just fancy Liverpool. I don't know why. I just fancy them. I think Europe's been a bit different for them this year. And, you know, I think that Arsenal win was just what they needed. They looked energetic. They looked dominating. And I just think if they can get on the ball early and dominate, I think they could beat Real Madrid. But it will be tough. It'll be really, really tough. And I think um, it's funny. We always talk about Real Madrid and we always say, oh, they're not the Real Madrid of old. But, that's because the Real Madrid's of old are so, so good that when Real Madrid aren't that good, they're still very good, if that makes sense. But they're always um, there, they're think, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and even if Liverpool beat them, they probably won't even get the credit they deserve for beating a really decent and um, experienced European side. So um, it'll be a difficult one. But yeah, I just, I don't know, I just have a feeling. I fancy Liverpool. There are quite, a few, there are quite a few stories as, as linked with the game as well. If you look at it, Fabinho used to play for Real Madrid. You know, Thiago used to play for, for Barcelona. I'm, I'm pretty sure Barcelona would want Gini Wijnaldum to be playing for them. So there's that little bit of edge. And, I'm, and I think Real Madrid might look quite like Mane and Salah to be playing for them. So in that sense, there's, there's quite a lot of you know backstory to it. That's even when you, as, as you said, Guy, the 2018 final and 
other other bits and bobs that have, have surrounded the match. So it will be interesting. Uh, I I think yeah, I think because the league is weirdly because the league is not on. Um, no, well, yeah, it's harder to watch in in the UK than it has been for for, for several years now because it's not on on not on Sky, is it? So I think certainly the Spanish teams, they, they, I'm not saying they've got a sense of the unknown, but I do think that they're perhaps not quite as known as they would have been, say, two, three, four years ago. And I, th- I think Liverpool will be well prepared, but I think the fans might have to be slightly better prepared for, as Joe said, they're still a very good team. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to be playing the, what, the second or third in the table. If you were playing the second or third uh, place team in the Premier League, it'd be a tough game. So why on earth wouldn't it be when you play a Spanish team? Yeah, there's, as you said, there's a bit more of a mystique around them now, isn't it? And mm. actually, when Joe was talking about Benzema, yeah, he's been there since 2009. I've just been looking at Real Madrid's all-time top scorers. And if you take out sort of Cristiano Ronaldo, he is fifth as it as it stands, Benzema, with 273. He's gone at sort of a goal every other game. And it, it'd sort of be one of those players closing in on Raul at the top of the, the charts. And you're sort of thinking, what a great player he's been. He very is much... A very is a, a much underrated player. I've gone from being very confident for Liverpool's chances in the space of five minutes to uh, all of a sudden maybe turning that one. Uh, I, I, rem- I remember seeing I remember seeing Benzema in the in the Champions League final in 2017 uh, in Cardiff against Juventus. It was, yep. and he played on the left wing, and it was like I'm like you know quite a few of the people just thought, well, he's not actually that good, you know, yeah, no, but. In the first half, he was absolutely brilliant. It was like ridiculous just how good he was. And this was a Juventus team that at the time was actually, you know, renowned for being defensive solidity and all this, that and the other. I think Real Madrid ended up winning 4-1 in the end, I think. But, you know, in that first half in particular, he was, he was excellent. And now he's getting his chance because Ronaldo's gone. So he's, he's now the main man and, and he's making the most of it, even if he is nearly 50. Yeah, definitely right. I just want to look at him there. He's only got, it's, it's, it sounds like a lot, but it, it really isn't when you think about his career. He's only got 81 caps for France. And again, it sounds like but a lot, hit- but if you think about it, he's played for Real Madrid since 2009. You know, scored 187 goals for Real Madrid. Won how many European Cups? It, it's strange. Yeah, there's some, there's some football reasons for him not playing for France. I was going to say. No, I, 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 I know, yeah. but, but, don't, but don't you think for, for a guy who's played for Real Madrid for that long and scored that many goals for them, he is, he is one of the most underrated players of, of modern times and you know, scored some big goals for them, like you say, Dorley. I think they've got some. They've got some good. They're, they're in. It looks like an aging squad, doesn't it? Real Madrid. And they got Tony Cruz. Eden Hazard's done some damage to Liverpool in the past. They haven't come up against them recently, but he used to cause Liverpool nightmares, didn't he? And you know, Luka Modric's just still there. Sergio Ramos, I think, will be injured, won't he? But the, the players have been around the block so many times that you know they're not going to be caught cold by Liverpool. Put it that way. No, definitely not. Let's select our Liverpool team then to go out to Madrid and come back with a few away goals that they don't even have to worry about the the second leg. Doily, uh, we'll go with the uh, moustached Allison in goal, and uh, I'll let you lead us on the the back four. Um, yeah, it's it's not a tough one this one. I don't think. Um, I think it'll be Trenchin, um, K back, uh, <laughs> Nate, and uh, and Robocop. I thought you were going to say Bolton Baresi, but uh, no. No, because my name's not Theo. <laughs> not everything is not everything is Bolton. To be fair, yeah, it's a surprising knack of like, I'm pretty sure he could probably get a Benzema interview from some contact he'd have at Bolton. He's got surprise. Bolton seems to be the centre of the universe. Yeah, Yuri Jorkaya might sort him out. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, but yeah, there he goes. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, Bruno Angotti. Rather than the name obscure early noughties Bolton players, <laughs> played on the big what's your, what's your defence going to be for the, uh, the away leg, Joe? Uh, my defence is going to be the same as Ian Doyle's. What about your midfield? You can you can lead us on the midfield then. I think you've got to bring Jeannie Van Alden back in, haven't you? So Van Alden for Milner. That's it. Yeah, that's it. But not just on on his own uh, with with Fabinho and, and Thiago. That's the only change I'd make, anyway. You in agreement with that, Doily? I concur with the respected gentleman <laughs> to my above. <laughs> and, what, and, what, and what about the strike force then? We've spoken about Diogo Jota. Is he going to get? Is he going to get picked? Uh, I think he'll certainly be in the squad. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you've got to bear in mind there's five subs allowed in Europe, isn't there? So. I think that'll come into the thinking, and that's why I think it'll be the front three is the front three again. Jota on the bench. In terms yeah. of the, the five subs thing, though, do you not think? I know we've, we've moved past the midfield, but do you not think there's maybe an understanding or a reasoning maybe for putting Milner in for maybe the first half, first sixty minutes, make sure things are tight? Because obviously it is a two. I would have game. I would have agreed with that had he not just played ninety minutes at Arsenal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with with Doyle on the front three as as I've said earlier. I might be talking absolute belux, but I just feel like <laughs> yeah, it's better talking. What? Sorry. <laughs> well, I've just talking. I've just managed. To, I don't know. Yeah, I've managed to swear yeah. without swearing. Yeah, I've just, well, yeah. I, that was the whole point. Yes, yeah, so as long as we're not going to get banned in Qatar, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our Qatari friend can, can listen to us. So yeah, no, I, I just think he's he's better. I quite like him off the bench. I think he, he just adds something to Liverpool off the bench. So you know, I, I would like just as they did yesterday. I just got this feeling in my head if Liverpool can keep it fairly tight and then bang introduce him, Real Madrid, who as we've talked about, have got a little bit of an aging squad. If you can introduce him, hopefully he can just add that X factor that they can't quite handle. So that would be my thinking. It would mean, though, that only two of the the three players who scored twelve of Liverpool's fourteen Champions League goals, Doyle, would be would be starting with only with with Jota, Mane, and Salah accounting for those twelve of fourteen. They need goals from elsewhere, don't they? Um, did they? Did they? Did he really? I'm asking if you, you get if you if you get in that many goals, then clearly you don't. You've got to bear in mind they don't just play with one up front. There's three of them. So for a lot of other teams, you just got one forward with two attacking midfielders who get a few goals. We've got three forwards. So, you know, if they're getting the goals between them, then fair enough. I know what you're trying to make me say, but no, I think I think of more more I'm important. Trying to make you say it's time that it, 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 it's Bobby Firmino who's going to step up with a brace and Liverpool going to win two 0 Have you seen his teeth? He doesn't need a brace. I think Liverpool. If Liverpool. Liverpool will need to score. I think Liverpool will need to score. And even if you know, it's not all normal rules don't apply anymore, do they? Because obviously, these famous European night at Anfield with nobody there, so it's, it's these not very famous European nights. So I think because of that, they've got to just treat it like a, just a, a regular game. Just got to, you've just got to go for it. None of, none of this like a, going it's an away like home, like whatever have you. Just do what they did with the Leipzig game. Because it's not even getting played, as you said, in Real Madrid's actual stadium. So it'll feel different. So you may as well just approach it differently. Yeah, it's actually going to be pretty much played on a training pitch anyway, isn't it? With no crowd in. Anyway, yeah. right. Match predictions. What's the score going to be then, Doily? Do Joe first. 
So Joe, think. what's going to be? I got a feeling. I'm going to say two one Liverpool. I just got a feeling. I, I feel like Liverpool might. Yeah, it might be just a close one, and then Liverpool get a couple of goals and just nick it, and then Real Madrid get one to sort of keep things interesting going into the second leg. I can't can't imagine Liverpool will win by a big score. So that's my my feeling. Um, I'll say I'll say two all. I'm going to say I don't normally get involved in the predictions because I'm always wrong, but I'm going to say two 0 I reckon Liverpool. I reckon Liverpool can go there, keep keep Madrid quiet, and come away with a couple of goals, just like in the uh, the Leipzig games. But we'll have to wait and see if that is how things play out. Make sure to keep across all of the coverage on the Liverpool Echo website. We'll also be back with the debrief straight after the game and have Jurgen Klopp's post match press conference live on the Blood Red YouTube channel. But from myself, Guy Clark, Joe Rimmer, and Ian Doyle, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.